and welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. This is episode 45, recorded February 7th, 2020. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And man, it's uh, it's been a crazy award season. As we record this, the Oscars are this coming weekend. We're going to try and get this out beforehand. Yep. But uh, here's, here's our rundown. Uh, this year's Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards. So we've uh, we've already talked a little bit about some of these that that we had seen before. Tarantino's, in particular, uh, Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, we've uh, we've both now seen the remaining nominees and uh, have some thoughts. Yep, we saw them all, so you don't have to, folks. So, but I still recommend seeing all of them anyway. It's always fun. Uh, but yeah, so let's get right into it. And our first movie is nineteen seventeen. Uh, Sam Mendes, starring, uh, well, a couple of guys I don't know for much else. Nope, that's, uh, yep, yep, the, the people you know are only in the movie for, like, minutes. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. to be fair, the other guys are also only in the movie for minutes, but, you know, substantially Mostly. more minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, boy, we're in rare form tonight, folks. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, guys, this is later than usual for both of us. Anyway, so, yeah, 1917, uh, basically, you know, actors that are totally new to us, um, but, yeah, uh, so this is... This is the story of two men um, trying to deliver a message to the front and what they do to get through it. And it's all done. It's well, I mean, it isn't all one take, but it's all presented as like one shot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's framed and edited very cleverly so that it appears as a single continuous shot. Uh, and the, the concern among uh, many on the internet, as there are concerns among people on the internet. The internet, yes. Darn yokels with their keyboards and microphones. What do they know? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> was that this would be kind of a gimmick. And it kind of is, but it didn't really feel that way watching the movie. I personally felt it actually did a, a really good job of putting the audience in the film, in the situation, with the characters even though the characters themselves were not terribly well developed, so they're they're a little bit thin, mm-hmm. but it was enough to get the audience invested in what was going on. Yeah, the the camera work of the movie does sort of transcend the I wouldn't call it like it the film's flaws, but it uh, it transcends the what the the thin qualities of the movie. It uh, it enhances what's there. Yeah. Um, and uh, but that you know there are some kind of I'm, I'm not gonna call them caveats but there are some things that happen when you do that. Um, although I'm a big fan of this particular aspect, um, the there's the first two major sequences of the movie. Uh, what is uh, the score ca- is called Gehenna, and then another one's called Tripwire. Um, those two sequences, because of that POV that we have and how we're following it, it kind of makes the movie feel like you're walking through a haunted house at Halloween. Like, one of those, like, haunts that you, like, wait in line to go through. Yeah. Um, And that's not a critique. I actually am one of those people that goes to those. So, like, I was kind of into that. Um, So, but that could give, that does give the movie a specific kind of flavor. Not a horror film flavor, per se, but, like, that kind of walking through a, walking through something, kind of. And that's, that's kind of interesting, for a movie it is it could be a problem for some people that if you feel like you're just going from set piece to set piece to set piece and i know some people have problems with that um but i think it really works for this especially for the story that it's telling before we were recording and something i've been thinking about since i saw the movie is like if i take away the gimmick um if i just if we shot this normal with cuts and whatnot um how does that well i mean i'm sure it was shot with cuts too and they just you know, yeah, figure things yeah. out. But but you know, like if we if we didn't have it presented in this manner and we presented it with normal cutaways and whatnot, um, does the movie still work? Is it still good? And I think it actually is still an interesting good story. That's the thing. Like uh, if you take the gimmick away, the movie is still a solid movie. I think it transcends its gimmick in that sense. Um, does the gimmick really help it? Oh yeah, I will say that. But yeah, I I, I have to agree. It uh, it it in that way, rises above the level of being just a gimmick and actually enhances the the narrative mm-hmm. just just by getting the audience involved. So I, 
I liked this film. I I think it's a strong contender. I think it is too. It's I think it has the it may have the best cinematography of all the picks. Um, although there's a lot of strong contenders in there. Yeah, um, I. Yeah. I think it has the best score of of the nine, um, and I'm kind of a Thomas Newman fan. I've been a fan of Thomas Newman since since American Beauty, which was also directed by Sam Mendes. So like this is something that you know I I want him to win. I think Joker is the hard one for him to beat there, but we'll see what happens. Um, but you know for the most part, the whole movie has everything come together. Its story could be a little I don't know like <laughs> fatter isn't the thing. If we're saying it's thin, it could be better fed, <laughs> I guess would be yeah, what we would maybe, say. Maybe maybe but there there is something to be said for the the simplicity of it. It's it's not overcomplicated. It's not overcomplicated and I think there I agree there is something to be said there. Um but yeah, decent movie. It is the safest choice probably. Well, okay. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about another movie in a little bit about that could also be the safest choice, but <laughs> this is the safest most obvious choice when you were if you were to look at it without actually seeing the movies, if you were to just kind of have like a vague idea what each movie was about, you'd be like, "Oh, well, that's obviously what would win the Oscar." That's my only qualm with it. But, you know, that's not really a complaint because it's still a good movie. I mean, it's like, you know, Green Book was the safe winner, but it kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So, uh, moving on down the list, alphabetically from here, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Ford versus Ferrari. This... Was the movie I was dreading to watch? Um, not not because I thought it looked bad. It's just I'm not a car movie guy, um, and I also knew this wasn't going to be like Fast and the Furious. So like I I knew it wasn't going to be what I thought it was, and it's not like that. At the same time, though, it took a lot of it took a lot to motivate myself to see. <laughs> Yeah, and see, I, I came at it from a, a different angle. This is something I kind of wanted to see beforehand, before the nominees were announced, mm-hmm. just because I thought it looked entertaining. I'm not, you know, super into car movies necessarily. Yeah. I'm into, you know, good movies. And yeah, yeah. some of those happen to also be car movies. And there are good car movies. Uh, yeah. one, of, one of my favorite, you know, drift movies is uh, Tulane Blacktop with James Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Dennis Wilson. So I mean, like there are car movies even I like. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this this is the the story of uh, Carol Shelby and uh, Ken Miles and uh, the uh, the Le Mans race and uh, building a car under the auspices of Ford to compete with Ferrari's racing cars and mm-hmm. and how that went and it's it's a very human story. Uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale here do fantastic jobs as their respective characters. Really, all the performers here are are on their game. Kind of a bit of a buddy movie, kind it, of. It is a it is a bit. Uh, yeah. it, they're 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 buddies, but there's a lot of friction as well. Yeah, and, yeah. There's 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 some interesting dynamics at play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I actually had a moment watching this movie that that brought to my mind the. Uh, the phrase that you know, it is is almost cliche now, but uh, every frame of painting, mm. just because it's it's so well shot, every every single little bit of it is is so cinematic and and loving, and you know, you could you could take any single frame as a still and frame it and mount it on a wall. It is shot very well. It's uh, very exciting, and they do a very good job of their composition with that. The thing that I... So, considering I was concerned about seeing this movie, I will tell you how it assuaged my concerns. (laughs) Um, So, I saw a previous nominee before I saw this. It was like, I saw um, one of the other movies we're going to talk about, and then I saw this one. And that movie got kind of in my head in such a manner that actually made this movie perhaps a little bit better because of it. Because it made me notice things that I don't know if I would have otherwise. So the thing I actually really like about this movie is that it actually does, despite being a quote car movie, it still has actually some deep, interesting, like kind of class stuff being talked about as well. Um, because like, you know, it's, you know, now it's only time, it's called Ford versus Ferrari here and in, and in other places, but in some places it's called Le Mans 66, which might be a better title for it because when you put it as Ford versus Ferrari, you see this story of two 
rich dudes being jerks <laughs> to each other. Yeah, which is not really the story that's being told and It's here. not really the story that's being told, but I like the fact that Ford and Ferrari look like jerks. <laughs> um, I think that actually is pretty interesting because you'd think like the Ford Motor Company would like not want you know, Henry Ford the second to look like a jerk, but that it, it totally happens. Played by Pulitzer Prize winner Tracy Letts, by the way, in a very fun performance, I suppose. They stayed true to his jerkiness. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the fact that I felt like it was kind of making a comment on that, that there's like, there's these two major corporations fighting each other and using smaller men to do the work for them is like, I thought that that, that I felt like that added an extra a more interesting wrinkle to the story that um and that's totally because i watched a different movie <laughs> um <laughs> like that that it even was in my mind so also i think the movie has a really kicking garage rock soundtrack like it has yeah, some of yeah. my my favorite kinds of music is in there like my favorite like uh, i i currently live in the pacific northwest and my favorite band from here the sonics are in there and so like that was like really fun to see um, or here, and uh, yeah, so it, it ended up being a movie that I was, you know, worried about seeing, but still really enjoyed. It's a pretty classic Sunday afternoon movie, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's never gonna win. I I would honestly be shocked if it did. Not not disappointed, really. Yeah, but yeah, certainly surprised. This was the why was this nominated one for me, uh, albeit with like you know a little bit of my car movie bias. But at the same, like this was the one that I kind of scratched my head at. But now that I've like watched it and looked at it from within, I can kind of see why now. Yeah, it's another one of those things where I wouldn't be disappointed if it won, but I'd be confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, what is uh, some of the best things that I've seen talk about it on the internet? It is like a total dad movie. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, I think I don't even remember which it was, but uh, which uh, which website it was. But someone called it a way to spend two hours with your dad without having to talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, um, and uh, that is it. That is that is pretty accurate. I I imagine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it is what that is. Not that that's a particularly bad thing. <laughs> I can never watch this movie with my dad now. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Um, It just means you'll talk a lot if you you watch it. To prove it wrong, you know. Uh, Um, Moving on. Uh, Easily the longest film on the list this year is Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Yes. And this starts to develop a theme of a number of the nominees here, but I think we'll, we'll once we get to the the next the the next one in this cycle we can delve into that a little bit more. Um, but yes, this is the mob movie to end all mob movies or maybe, I don't and know. And it certainly is in that it completely removed my desire to watch any more mob movies for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. No yeah. more for me, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm full. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. So you're you're like how I am how I am with World War II movies. Like I've I've seen enough World War II movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel like a lot of these do kind of tend to run together. Now, mm-hmm. yeah, all 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 that said, in 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 all seriousness, folks, the the people who are in this movie, you know, both in front of and behind the camera, are absolutely still on top of their game. Mm-hmm. This is really well put together. It's very well done, but it's also pretty much exactly what you would expect given the players given the material yeah it's uh it does not disappoint in no, any way no not at um, all but it isn't like you're it's not really surprising either. it's not surprising yeah that, that that's the thing which is a weird thing to complain about like oh yeah marty made a good movie woo like <laughs> yeah like that seems it, it, it sounds really weird saying it, it that sounds way. really weird saying that way but that is kind of what it is so, but there's a lot of neat things going on here. So this is about um, the Irishman, um, who is a you know an Irish guy who's taken into the uh, with the Philadelphia mob, gets in real good with Jimmy Hoffa from the Teamsters, um, and uh, in his story, and uh, which probably didn't happen this way, but to be honest, it's still an interesting story. And that's, you know, that's the important thing in this case. And, you know, it was really interesting to see them because we we as film people can find, you know, young pictures of De Niro, Pacino and Pesci 
And to be honest, I think for the most part, the de-aging is pretty good. I have a small TV though. Um, and I did watch this on Netflix, like everyone else who yeah. saw, I mean, it did play at the Cinerama here, but I didn't know anybody who went to go see it. So like, if anything looked bad, it wasn't as obvious to me is, is what I'm saying. So yeah, uh, ha- ha- having watched it on a somewhat larger television, you have a bigger TV than me. I, 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 uh, I, I do. Um, and having some uh, streaming quality degradation, just just a little bit, because mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people are streaming this and uh, and the other uh, Netflix entry in the list mm-hmm. right now, just because it's right before the Oscars and these are the nominees. Right. Honestly, I still thought it looked really good for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I could almost have have sworn that hey, it you know they they shot this with the Nero twenty years ago. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about them making his eyes blue. Um, that does come off kind of jarring from time to time, but we don't yeah. see it that much. Not so. not that much. It, yeah. it and agreed. It looked a little bit weird here and there, but not not enough to really take you out of what was going yeah. on. But yeah, everyone in it does a good job. Like literally every Italian American actor is in this movie, um, except for you know Ray Liotta and Leonardo DiCaprio were busy being in other movies nominated for Best Picture this year. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm in it, but it got cut for time. Um, the, not really, but it's a fun thing to say. And, previous statement uh, is false. Previous statement is false. Um, anyway, it's uh, it shares something in common with once upon a time in hollywood is that you know it's kind of a a white guys feeling old kind of thing going on for it but it also kind of has that hangout movie feel to it that it also has albeit for a different reason once upon a time in hollywood has this kind of buddy friendship thing going on whereas this is more of like well it is three and a half hours long but it takes its time in such a manner that you really hang out with the characters in its own kind of fun way. Yeah, I, I could totally see, you know, you and me and a handful of random other folks just hanging around a house some afternoon with this just on in the background. Yep. yep. I mean, it's pretty fun. It actually, despite its length, it doesn't really drag as much. The only My only complaints about it is that, so there's a... Tim and I try not to spoil too much when we talk about this, so I'm not going to get too in it. There's a definite denouement, and then like an epilogue, and the epilogue might go a little long for me. And it may just be that at that point, it feels like the story has run out of steam, and it's just still taking a little bit longer to get the train to the station than it should. But it's still not that bad, so. Yeah, yeah. So, it's it's, it's on Netflix. It's readily available. Yep. Moving on. Moving on. Jojo Rabbit, uh, Taika Waititi's new movie. Um, and from the, in the long tradition of comedies about Nazis, and by long tradition, I mean like basically three two other movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, well, we came up with four movies, but then they're really just the same movie twice. Yeah. Um, because, like, it's, there's To Be or Not To Be with Jack Benny, which is also To Be or Not To Be with Mel Brooks, because uh, that was the remake. And then there's The Producers. And the producers, although mm-hmm. the the remake of the produ- the musical remake of the producers has more comedy about Nazis than the producers from the '60s does. So, yeah, take that as you will. Nonetheless, um, I actually do think this fits in really well with "To Be or Not to Be." But yeah, it's uh, this is a tough sell for some people. Um, a comedy it, it about is, Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not a hundred percent a comedy, but it is. No, there, there's there's plenty of of drama and you know heavy hard stuff in it. And it's it's not always easy. There there's there's some real gut punches in it too. Oh yeah. And yeah, for 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 all of that, it's it's a it's a unique piece. I did enjoy it. I do recommend it. But I have a hard time describing you know exactly what people should expect from it. Yeah, it's so. I'm a big believer is that we should satirize evil as well there's nothing wrong with doing that and so some people have a hard time with that but no judgment there i totally understand oh yeah it's hard to explain because to to make hitler out to this goofy kind of imaginary friend character who still it's to be evil though is the thing like he's still hitler at the end of the day yeah like it's 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 so weird so the 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 central conceit of the film here is oh yeah we haven't even talked about the plot really yeah here's 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 this kid in you know kind of in the last days of, of the Third Reich, 
Mm-hmm. And he has this imaginary friend who's sort of his conception, his his thoughts of who Hitler is. So it's it's this sort of cartoony little boy's imaginary friend version of Hitler, mm-hmm. but is still Hitler. It's still it's, Hitler. Yeah. So he's he's still evil in in ways, and you you see this this kid kind of wrestling with that at times, and at other times, you know, he's he's imagining things. It's like, well, you, that is, that's absurd on the face of it. Mm. And there's there's all this this weird dynamic and how he relates to the world around him through this imaginary friend and and with it and against it. It's yep. it's a it's a really interesting little movie and it's it's fairly thought provoking. It's it's got some worthwhile things to say. Yeah. I think it has some worthwhile things to say and also it's just really well acted. Sam Rockwell Oh yeah. really rocks it. But there's a particular scene with with Scarlett Johansson that in a lot of ways plays like an acting class 101 scene, but it still works so well that I almost feel like she a- acts a little bit better in this than she does in Marriage Story, but only by so much, you know. Yeah. 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 I'm 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 with you there. And there are a lot of, of big stars in this, and everybody's pretty good in it. Again, it's mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of competition this year. It's hard to be the comedy movie. It it is. I I don't feel like a lot of these were were even necessarily you know awards baiting like like they were going fishing most of them. Mm-hmm. It just happens. Here's here's this movie. It's got a lot of big name stars in it who are all turning in great performances with good material. It just happened that way this year. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's like, this is the movie that I think people should really check out because it's, it's very unique. It's its own, it's its own thing. It's really fun. It's, uh, which is weird to say. Um, it does do this thing where it uses, um, music that did not exist yet, but it uses the German music of those, the German version of those songs. So I'm yeah. kind of willing to let it slide. Yeah. That was a little bit of a curious anachronism there. But, yeah, but it's not a hundred percent like, like it kind of. It's sort of like how they do it in A Knight's Tale, where it's not really acknowledged, but it's basically yeah. acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it 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 didn't it didn't detract here. It, it, it didn't. It detract, totally yeah. fit with the the tone of the rest of the film. Yeah, and it's so. a, like I, mean, I don't know if I've got over that. The reason why I brought that up, folks, is because like I have like a total pet peeve about that in movies when like like Moulin Rouge is basically a non-starter for me because and I. I think I've seen all of the movie eventually, but there always comes a point where I have to turn it off because I can't take it. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> like, and now it is like the early 20th century and we're singing Smells Like Teen Spirit. I'm out. Um, but yeah, so mm. this movie does that, but it doesn't do it like that. So, all right, anyway. So next, we got to talk about it. It's uh, it's Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. Yep. yep and also Robert De Niro again. Yep. So, all right, guys. So, here's the thing. I will admit, and straight up talk, say this right now, I did this movie no favors by watching King of Comedy recently before watching it. Because I was like, well, it looks like Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. And I was like, I've never actually seen King of Comedy. I should watch that before I watch it. So I did. And that did not do the movie any favors for sure. Um, because this is very much Taxi Driver plus King of Comedy plus the comic book, The Killing Joke. <laughs> like, I didn't see the movie version of that. I hear it's weird. And I played the game with this, too. The, if I take away its gimmick, is it a good movie? And, uh, well, anyway, let's just, uh, alright, so let's go through the plot of it. So the plot of it is essentially an origin story for the Joker from the Batman universe. But it is done so in a Scorsese-esque yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of a style. It's it's yeah. it's framed and shot. Yeah, like you said, very like something like say Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. It's it's gritty. It's dark. It's somewhat realistic. Maybe ish. Maybe perhaps. Eh. I just didn't find the material very compelling. Yeah, it the what happens is like the the direction's actually really solid. 
Um, it's not the best, but you know, it's still it's really good, especially when you compare that the director yeah. made the Hangover movies before. The score is really good. The cinematography is really good. The acting is super good. I mean, like, I don't even really like Joaquin Phoenix that much, but but he like he does a really good job here. Uh, I wouldn't vote for him for best actor, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but 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 he still does a good job here. I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's one of those mm-hmm. things, like, because because he's probably gonna win, and I'm not gonna be mad about him winning. You know, it makes sense. Um, but the problem is, is that the script just sucks it's uh, i was talking to tim that it was like it's like making chicken noodle soup with bad chicken or just any kind of dish where you have a rotten central ingredient like yeah like, or, or not not even necessarily rotten but it's like this this is like great it's just past its prime. Yeah, yeah it's 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 like you're you're using you know 20 year old spam instead of you know a, a nice fresh honey glazed spiral ham oh yeah that's actually a good way to it's put still it. perfectly edible it's not going to kill you but you're not gonna like it because it feels like they wrote another movie they were like well we're never gonna get this made in this world let's just make it a superhero movie by making it about the joker instead um and when you take that away it just comes off as this uninspired little sort of character drama and, and but that's the thing that's what kind of makes it suck um and so it doesn't pass my like 1917 gimmicks gimmick test from earlier because when you take away that gimmick it it just showcases how much more it sucks um, yeah yeah and yeah having having spent some time thinking about it to me i i think what really hurts it the most is the script doesn't ever seem to give its protagonist any real agency He's, yeah, he's so very reactive. He's he mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to ever really think more than you know, a step and a half ahead, maybe mm-hmm. if maybe. that occasionally. Yeah. He you know just okay stimulus reaction. It's you know action reaction. It's it's like simple physics. Everything now, that happens is sort of a foregone conclusion. Now there is an element of that with the Joker, um, historically yeah, true, the but. But that isn't everything about him. Like, that's... And, and I, Tim and I aren't really, like, super comic book geeks. But the thing that makes the Joker kind of compelling and kind of frightening is his nihilistic anarchy. But that is also still kind of cunning in its own way. Like, the guy's not dumb. The guy comes up with things. Like, he comes up with plans and he executes them and does terrible things. So, like, his lack of agency in this really takes something away from the character. Yeah, and, uh, you know, granted, there, there are points where we see, you know, a little bit. He There are, like, one or two things that he kind of plans. Yeah. But it's it, it's still sort of, at, at any given point, is he is he going to do one thing or is he going to do the other? He doesn't really make up his mind. But the thing, he never surprises you. Like, yeah. The yeah. things that he does aren't like, they're just whatever. I mean, that's why I kind of feel like it started out as a different story and they, they just added the Joker to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I can't really recommend this movie. I didn't really like it. I would be disappointed to see it win. This is the only one of the nine that I would be disappointed to see win. But here's the thing. Like, I think it's great that this kind of movie is being recognized. Like, I think it's good that, you know, that an R-rated comic book movie was, you know, that was successful, was getting noticed by the Academy. I think that's a good thing. I just wish this movie was better. Yep. I'm, I'm with you right there, 100%. Yep. So... That out of the way, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Little Women. Now, this movie has been made seven or eight times. Give or take. Give or take. Um, There's at least two silent versions of the movie. I've I've seen all of the Catherine Hepburn one and most of the Winona Ryder one. Um, But even last year, there was a modern retelling of it with Leah Thompson. And and I had been familiar with this story for a long time. Because I read the book when I was in elementary school, and then I reread it when I was in my 20s because I was reading this other book called March, which is about um, the, the dad of the Little Women and where he and where he's off during the story. Pulitzer Prize winning piece of fine fiction, if you want to check it out. It's a, it is a good book. So I, this story I was kind of familiar with, and so like I will do the plot rundown real quick. <laughs> um, so 
four girls um, are uh, they're growing up in in New England. They uh, in Massachusetts. They have this boy next door that they hang out with. Their father is mostly absent, but it is just the story of them growing up. It is coming of age, 100, percent um, and how they grow up to become women, um, for the most part. Well, except for one, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. statute of limitations here. Statute of limitations on that the, one. But the, yeah. Things are known about this. Yeah, uh, and I I doubt many of our listeners are gonna care about that particular. Well, I mean, it's even <laughs> it's even spoiled in a Friends episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if, yeah. if you don't already know, I I I don't think we're in much danger of of ruining this movie for you. No. Uh, so. Here's the thing that makes this movie different from the other ones. There was the one last year that was the modern retelling where they talked to their dad on Skype. And, but most of the other ones are do the story in a linear fashion. This version, Gerwig restructures the story so that it is the emotional beats. We go back and forth in a timeline, which when, I, when the movie, I did not know this was happening. <laughs> so I was a little confused at first, but then I was like, oh, I am totally into this. Yeah, and... Me not really being familiar with the story, having seen most of the Winona Ryder version you know, mm-hmm. when it was still fairly fresh a long time ago. That's 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 been a little while now, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christian Bell was in that. He was Laurie in that one. Yeah, the uh, the restructuring didn't really bother me. I was just sort of you know trying to take the movie as it came, mm-hmm. and you know that that worked. I was able to to roll with it. Didn't really take me out of the film. So and and it didn't call out with a subtitle. Oh, yeah, here's here's a flashback. You know, here it, mm-hmm. this is this date. This versus the other. Yeah, and I I thought it was actually fairly effective drawing those those parallels between you know the the past of of the characters and their present, as it were. Yeah. So like you know, I the story still gets to me. You know, the the feels of the story still got to me in a linear fashion when I read it and when I you know had seen the previous movies. But doing it in this kind of emotional parallel restructuring, like, that wrecked me, man. The fact that the movie got such a visceral reaction out of me out of a story that I know really well is, uh, you know, that, that's, 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 that's a big deal. That's very much to its credit. Yep. I do want to say, the one thing about this that did kind of rub me the wrong way was the sort of the satirical framing of mm-hmm. the ending. With- with Pulitzer Prize winner Tracy Letts again, yeah, 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 uh, which I, I I I get it. The the director's trying to get the audience to to consider things in a different light than they might have, and mm-hmm. in that regard, I think it's successful. And I'm I'm still thinking about it myself. So mm-hmm. you know, full marks there. It just did kind of rub me the wrong way the way in which it was done now for me i'm actually i really liked the way it was done i felt that the, i'm sorry we're being vague here people you just have to see the movie um you'll totally understand what we're talking about if you see it yeah and uh, but i actually really liked that i felt like it kind of subverted some things that would be expected um and it also bought into something that has always been kind of a problem with me with that book um that, that or not bought into like it kind of took a look at that in such a manner that I thought was very interesting. Now, the the metafictional framing part of it, maybe it works well, maybe it doesn't. I particularly really like it, but I can understand not. Well, yeah, and that that part I I thought was certainly interesting and that's mm-hmm. that's that's a neat angle. It it was really just this one bit at mm-hmm. the end of the film that yeah, kind of threw me off. And, and it's weird because that's that's what kind of like sold it for me. It kind of like made me like, oh, that this really solidifies this particular vision of it for it. But you know, that's you know, Tim and I are going to disagree on things. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, we weirdly haven't very often, at least on the show. But on yep, on, yep. on this, yeah, we've we've got some kind of different perspectives. We will probably be hashing this out for a while yet to come. Yeah, I, yeah. I have a feeling this is going to come up again in our our private conversations. Mm-hmm. So. Good movie, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I did overall like the movie. I, I recommend it. Oh, I, I, before we move on to the next one, I, I yeah, Sorcerer Ronan, I think, is probably going to be Meryl Streep more than anyone else. And uh, she'll be her own thing. I mean, cause, like, Meryl Streep is her own thing in that she's also Catherine Hepburn. Like, you know, in the legacy of things, I think it's going to go Hepburn, Streep, Ronan. I'm just saying that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in that she's, you know, extremely talented, 
you know, versatile and... Uh... She is 25 years old, and this is the third time she's been nominated for Best Actress. Yeah. I don't think she's going to win this year, but still, yeah. that's that's something, I mean. Impressive body of work and, and only, only growing in that respect. She's prolific yep. already. So, next, Marriage Story by Noah Baumbach. Uh, Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, Laura Dern supporting in this as well. This is where Ray Liotta was instead of The Irishman. Not like he's in the movie that much, but we also have Alan Alda. And uh, I feel like there's another person we're forgetting. But maybe we're not. Oh, probably. Uh, Wallace Shawn is in it a little bit. Wallace Shawn, yeah, that was it. No, that was who I was thinking of because I was like, oh, Wallace Shawn is in this. Yeah. Basically Wallace Shawn. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what he's like really as like a person, but you, he, I know he's a New York actor at heart. And he, yeah. def, he basically plays New York actor. And he's part of what is sort of a Greek chorus of the movie. So the, the plot of this is a, a, it's a marriage story, but it, really it's a divorce story about uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Whoa, um, dude, major spoilers. No, I know, I know, dude. Um, but yeah, so they're getting a divorce and they're trying to figure out how they're going to do custody of their son and they are bi-coastal. So Scarlett yeah. Johansson is going back into her film acting career and uh, Adam Driver is an avant-garde New York theater director and the things that, that shake out of that. It is... It's interesting because at time at, when I was first watching the movie, I was like, "This seems a little stagey." But then I was, but then I realized that, that was probably on purpose because so much of the movie is based on theater that the staginess really f- works. And then there is still some kind of cinematic juxtaposition that happens when we're in. It's less stagey, is what I'm saying. It's more cinematic when we're in L.A. as opposed to when we're in New York. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're absolutely right. Any given scene, you know, the the setting that it's in and the way it's framed, you can easily imagine this being done on the stage. Yeah. And and that's like and that's that's neither here or there. Some people are okay with that, some people aren't, but it was something I was noticing. Um, this movie made me feel like if I was gonna vote for best actor, I would vote for Adam Driver. There's like two specific t- scenes that really show his range. There's a I hate you scene and a like Keaton-esque kitchen mess scene that, uh, once again, trying to not, <laughs> trying to not spoil yeah. it too much. Yeah. That, uh, that just was just, just amazing. I was, I don't think he's going to win best actor either, but if I voted, I'd vote for him. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right. I probably would as well. Um, yeah, the, the drama in this is is really pretty heavy, but it all seems fairly credible. I I personally was, yeah, I, I think less emotionally impacted after this than I have been by some other, you know, mm-hmm. super heavy awards bait material right. in recent years. But that's not to say it's not heavy and, and not you know, affecting and Well, it's funnier than expected. It it, it is. There yeah. there are definitely some some moments of humor. It's and I, I feel like in that way it's it all seems very credible, very very true to life. You you believe in these characters. Nothing is is really fantastical about it. I mean, yeah, sure. It's 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 a movie. It's, there's there's some you know Hollywood television kind of you know glaze over yeah. it. Yeah. But it's it's still easy to believe that there's sort of a, a kernel of, of truth in everything the characters are saying and doing. Yeah, they're both really believable in those roles, too. Um, when uh, when I saw Jojo Rabbit, I was like, I think Scarlett Johansson is going to be up for both Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, but in separate categories, and then that's ultimately what happened. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's really, e- it's uh, in a lot of ways, the script makes it easy for them to be real because it is so real. <laughs> because um, I think it's up for original screenplay as well. But yeah, no, it is, uh, its closest, like, kind of companion movie would be Kramer vs. Kramer. And this isn't as emotionally devastating as Kramer vs. Kramer is, but it is still, it's still up there. If you want to have a really sad double feature, I would recommend that Kramer vs. Kramer and then this. But I also think that you may want to die if you did that, so maybe don't. Yeah, I, um, I would recommend watching something else instead. If, if you're yeah. really thinking about a really sad double feature, maybe, you know, you know go, go to the park instead. Yeah. Go throw a frisbee or something. Yeah, so, but anyway, I dug this more, I did dig this movie. It is hard to say whether or not I enjoyed it, because there are aspects of it that I enjoy. Like, that's, I will say that. Um, 
but yeah. it, it isn't it is a hard movie to like um but that's the point yeah, yeah which which is not to say that everything that happens in it is is all bad all the time yeah you know, like like we said there is some humor in it it's it's just really really messy yep yep but it should be messy is the thing yeah so, yeah, yeah. It's, and and that's kind of the point yeah not for everybody but still really good but is easily seen for just about anybody because it's on netflix right uh next uh once upon a time in hollywood we talked about this previously so we won't go into too much detail here but i will bring up the whole like so this is a theme that kind of showed up in all of these movies was white men feeling old and this uh, this irishman and ford versus ferrari were like kind of playing on that theme a lot However, this one, um, I think, does it the best. Now, it could just be because they're not that old, but there's still a, <laughs> there's still a fair amount of it going on. It's a lot of, it's dudes past their prime dealing with that, dealing with that, basically. Um, we did talk about this at length before, um, uh, so I'm, we're not going to get too into it. Um, but it's about, you know, a washed up former Western actor becoming, you know, trying to get, back in the game as it is and we get to yeah. see leonardo dicaprio do great acting as a bad actor and then that bad actor become a good actor in the in a in a very extended scene and so that's like a big testament to dicaprio brad pitt is like super engaging you're just really into him you're just really into the whole story of it but the movie itself is very much 1969 the movie and with the sharon tate stuff with all the the sound stuff, all the music, all the trailers and commercials. It's its just an interesting little capsule of that time and that feeling. Yeah, and I will say, I personally was the most entertained watching this one out of yeah. everything on the list. And again, you know, Quentin Tarantino is, is kind of a unique taste. Also not for everybody, and that's thats fine. But this, this also, to me, didn't feel quite the same as a lot of his other films mm-hmm. and you know, like it's, like like you said it's it's got it's got kind of a, a different aesthetic to it i mean it, yeah it's certainly inspired in in some ways by you know some of the spaghetti westerns like some of his other films have been mm-hmm. but it's it's also got you know kind of that that late 60s aesthetic and and sort of a a grainy look to it mm-hmm. and that drift thing that characters would do that yeah, yeah, and just just the the overall tone up until the last sequence, really. More or less, yeah. You'd think that last sequence would feel out of place, but it still fits for some reason. It, yeah, which which is remarkable, and and that's something I didn't get from say Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. which I mean, even though it's yeah, you you kind of know that's that's coming. That that to me felt stranger. And, and a little more of a departure from where we'd been in the rest of the movie than this one did. I think part of the thing is is that we, with this movie, were kind of like prepared for it because Inglorious Bastards had happened before. So I wonder if that's part of it. That, um, that may well be part of it. But uh, but I see what you're going. Like I I like Inglorious Bastards is probably my favorite um, of it. Um, not to say it's ne- well, I don't know. For a long time, I thought it was his best. I would take it over Pulp Fiction. Um, Pulp Fiction being good and being the iconic movie and the what what am I like the, the genre defying film for him, but uh, in his magnum opus or whatever. But you know, it doesn't mean he can't do better as he goes by. But this movie might be the best thing he's made since Pulp Fiction. And that's saying something, because it's it is, not like he yeah. made bad movies since, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not going to defend Death Proof, but I liked it still. <laughs> yeah. And and sometimes that's kind of all the movie needs to be. Is Yeah. I liked it. Mm-hmm. And and I like this movie, and it is entertaining, yeah. but I also think yeah. it's really smart. I think it's very interesting. Um, it, it is very much a Tarantino movie, and also kind of not a Tarantino movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So... More whimsy than crudality this time, I would say. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely some some whimsy involved. Some some of it is you know that that signature dark kind of whimsy. Yeah. There's a there's a particular sequence in the middle I'm I'm thinking of that mm-hmm. it was was really tense up until it wasn't. Up until it wasn't. Yep. Yeah. And I, and and that was that was a neat little reversal for me. Yeah, this but. this movie grew on me like the more I thought about it. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, last and not least, yep. uh, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Parasite ended up being the movie to beat for me. So I I saw it kind of early on when I was going through all the movies um, before. Um, the fact that I saw Parasite actually made Ford versus Ferrari a more interesting movie for me. So this is saying, telling you something. So this is a story about a Korean family who conned their way into a rich family to be their tutors or drivers or housemates or you know various just yeah jobs um so the first half of the movie kind of plays like a heist movie about you know these con this family of con artists getting in with this rich family and uh, the methods they do to get into that and the ways they get through it and that's all really cool and everything but then like almost exactly at the halfway point something shifts and the movie goes more towards a sort of thriller. Um, I would say the whole time, though, it is a black comedy. That's 100%. But the, the shift in the middle is, is weird because it is a definite shift, but it also doesn't seem like a total crazy shift at the same time. Yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier. I, I said it's, it's sudden, but still also somehow seamless. Yeah. And it, it does kind of color the the rest of the film up to that point it's like you know okay this happens that kind of makes the rest of this all building up to it that was kind of a thriller too because it because all of that leads and and plays right into this Mm -hmm. this moment of tension and and where everything starts going from there so it's really been a thriller the whole time you just didn't know you just didn't realize it no you're totally right yeah um it's it's well acted it's it's shot really well it does all the things that i like in movies it's really smart it has a, it has a lot of talk about class um the uh the thing that's that i find interesting is that when you're doing a lot of class stuff i mean ford versus ferrari wasn't really a movie making class comments but it still has an us versus them sort of feeling to it whereas parasite is looking at it as an us and them kind of thing. It's less us fighting each other and more we're all in this together and the parasitic symbiotic relationships we all have with each other. And that's really interesting to me. Not only does it have an interesting idea, it also ha- it's also really well made. It's a really good script. It's a really good batch of actors telling a really, you know, doing a really great job. So, I mean, it just does all the things that I like in a movie, and it does it really well. So if I voted, I would vote for this. But it's a subtitled Korean movie, and if Roma didn't win, I don't particularly see this one winning. Also, it won the Palme d'Or, and a movie that won the Palme d'Or hasn't won the Best Picture Oscar since, like, 1955 or something. So, like, there's not a lot of, like, that happening. Uh, Potential upset, maybe. It has won awards that would be precursors to Best Picture, but... I don't see it happening, but for me, this is the movie to beat. So I I agree with most of what you said yeah. there. This is not the movie to beat for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I agree with you on on all of its merits. Yeah. But for all of that, you know, it does leave kind of a weird taste in in one's mouth, and it is certainly not a film for everybody. Yes. Yeah. And can you, are you gonna go? Are you gonna say it? Are you gonna say it? Do it. I, I I don't think I can spin that again if I try. Uh, so before I'll okay, uh, Tim basically likened it to it was the most hipster thing he'd ever said. But uh, before we were recording, he said this thing about how it's like a beer that you can't quite figure out where it's coming from, or like if the taste is coming from the back or if it's coming from the front, but you know it's there and it's making you think more about it. Like uh, it was it was so good, guys. You have no idea. <laughs> If you're really, really good, maybe we can edit it out of the earlier audio and uh, stick it I'm, at the end. If I'm really good, I'll, I'll see if I can. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, I get where you're coming from there, though. It's, uh, it, is, it is not a movie for everybody. It, is, uh, it, definitely, it definitely leaves a certain taste in your mouth that you're either going to be it, into it or you're not. So. Yeah, I mean, for, for all its elements, for the, the, the thriller and the black comedy and the drama and and a, a dozen different other things about it. And you know, most of the characters are not really anybody you want to root for. Yeah, all of them. That's actually, and that's yeah. something I kind of like about it. But at, at times it makes you kind of want to. Mm-hmm. 
but most of the time not. It's 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 such a strange little piece, and it it gets all kinds of ideas just bouncing around your head. It and and the twists are totally not what you would expect. Mm-hmm. But they work. Yeah, they do. They really do. So this this is this film sure is something. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure what. <laughs> eh, maybe it's just good. Yeah. And and Tim also brought up that the it also is the it's also up for international release, so that's probably not helping it. Yeah, I I I think it's got a strong chance of winning that, but not best picture overall yeah. from the Academy. That's that's what I'm kind of thinking too. And like I said, like um if nineteen seventeen wins, which is kinda like what the what it's looking like, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's it's totally it totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and like like I said earlier, I think that's probably the safest bet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we could talk a little bit about the the politics of you know how well if the Irishman had been more traditionally distributed, it might have it been might have, a safe bet. Yep. No, I think you're I think you're you got a point there. If if the Irishman had not been distributed by Netflix. Um, and it had a more traditional, you know, release, then, yeah, I think you're right. It probably would have been, this would have been, the conversation would have been 1917 versus The Irishman instead of 1917 versus Parasite. So Yeah, as it is, I think The Irishman is still probably a strong contender except for its distribution channel, and mm-hmm. I think that is likely to still sink it this year. Yeah, but I also think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a pretty good contender against it. I mean, not against, yeah. like, uh, up against it, I mean. Yeah, so, yeah, like, I, I, I agree. Because for me, the top three for this is, you know, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and 1917. Like, those are the three movies that, they those are the ones I could see win Best Picture, and it would make sense. Whereas, I mean, The Irishman could win, but I don't see it winning even, like, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. N- neither do I, to be honest. So, in any event, those are the Best Picture nominees. Uh, we we have some thoughts on some of the other films here and there, but we're not really going to get into it, just because, hey, this is a hobby. It's <laughs> not a well, full-time gig for it's us. Well, it's also after midnight for you now. and like, yeah. It is. It's, it's late as we're recording this. We're all yeah. tired. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but uh, as per usual, we'll be around live-tweeting during the ceremonies, Mm-hmm. on sunday night watch for us there on our twitter at dead letter movie so i think uh i think that's it i think for for right now that's our show mm-hmm. thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye like a really really complex beer that's it's got all kinds of strange notes floating here and there it's it's not right up front it's not in the aftertaste it's somewhere in the middle but not every time it's, it's like what what the heck is this